great way to start. Uh, for me. Wait for <laughs> Get over here, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Just talk to Jesus. Uh, we're talking today about finding God in Jesus, and I love the simplicity of that song. It just invites us all, no matter where we're at, no matter where we come from, no matter if you started a relationship with him or not, no matter what your religious background or no religious background, today we're going to talk about finding God in Jesus. And, and when we talk about finding God, it's <clears throat> sort of a sense that he's hiding, Yeah, but he's really not. No. We just have a couple of challenges when it comes to finding God because, well, two things. Number one is we're the creation, he's the creator. So how can a work of art really know the artist, right? That's tough. And we are the, the work of art that God created, and how do we know the creator? It's just difficult. Fortunately, he gave us the capacity to know him, so we've got to figure that out. The other thing is that we're human in flesh, and God is spirit, right? That creates a difficulty. But God's not really hiding. Um, when my kids were younger, we played hide-and-seek uh, quite a bit, and uh, one of my favorite things to do is hide behind something about this big, right? So I'd be hiding, right? And then they say, you know, ready or not, here I come. And they'd be looking around, and I'd be like this, hiding, pretending. They'd pretend not to see me, right? And so I, I, I love when they close their eyes. Yes. Can you see me? And I go, where are you? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So God's not really hiding. He's everywhere. Uh, he's all around. He's within us. But sometimes we just have to be attuned yeah. to God. Just a there. different paradigm perspective, see right. things differently, to identify 100%. where we see God, where we yep. might not have identified before. Because the Bible's clear, and it's sort of intuitively obvious that if we are looking for him, we'll find him. I love what it says in Acts 17, 27. It's really sort of the theme of this series. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. Yeah. He's not far. He's right here. He just needs us to kind of pay attention, and it's our benefit to pay attention. So we've talked over the weeks about finding God in nature, finding God within our own minds, finding God in silence, finding God in family, and today we're gonna to talk about finding God in Jesus, and you're gonna help us out the whole time here, yes. right? Yeah. Really discovering that Jesus is the full, true, complete, and final revelation of God. We know Jesus, we will know God. Yeah, and, and, and if you've been around church, right, this is maybe not a real crazy statement, but I think we wanna kinda of reconsider it. Yep. Just reconsider a little deeper what this means, this idea that he is the revelation of God. Keith Giles, an author that I like, said this, Jesus and only Jesus defines for us who God is, what God is like, and what our lives should look like as a result of that revelation. So, so that, that quote almost makes it sound like, do you want to find God? Look at Jesus, right? right? And just, that's it. And I think that's what he's saying. I think that's what the Bible is saying. I think that's what Jesus was saying, right? There was this interaction between him and his disciples when he's kind of talking about, you know, about God and about who he was. And he starts off by saying this, where he says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And nobody comes to the Father except through me. Now, that's a passage, if you've been in church at all, you've heard that passage before. It's even used as like, almost like a law, like yeah. you need to, right? Believe, right? When I think it's more of a declaration, I think he was declaring to these disciples that I am the way to God. Like I am the truth of God. I am the life of God. And he's just declaring, you wanna know God? You wanna know the Father? Look at me. I am the revelation of that God. Now, Philip right away kind of goes like, well, show us the Father, you know, show us the Father, and we'll go ahead then and believe. 
And that's where he kind of gives his mic drop kind of statement in, in, in verse six. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. I mean, let that just sink in. Show us the Father and we'll believe. <laughs> You've seen me? You're seeing the full revelation of God. You're seeing the character of God, the heart of God. You wanna see God? Don't look any further than Jesus. And then Jesus goes on to say, the words I speak are not my own, but my Father. So if he is the revelation of God, what's that mean about the things he spoke and the words yeah. he, he said? So as the fullness of God, the truth of God, he's sort of all we need to understand really who God is, then we need to understand that the things he said are actually the voice of God. And uh, we see that in Hebrews chapter one. Hebrews one is saying essentially that God has been speaking this whole time. And we know that through the Old Testament. God has been speaking through the Old Testament. He says this in verse one of Hebrews one. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. So this is a Hebrew writer, a Jewish writer, and uh, he or she is speaking to a Jewish audience. And, and they understand that there are prophets in the Old Testament. You read the Old, Testaments, there are, the Old Testament, there are prophets that are speaking the voice of God. And the writer of Hebrews recognizes that very, very plainly, that God has been speaking through prophets. Now, the scripture also says that this Old Testament speaking is, is under a veil. The apostle Paul mentions this in Corinthians, that the things the prophets were saying were true, but partially true or had a veiled truth. It was just unclear. And so for a lot of people, and I hear this all the time, they're reading the Bible and they're confused. Well, a lot of people are confused when they're reading the Old Testament because it's this veiled discovery. Who is God? And little pieces through the prophets are kind of given. But all of the Old Testament is looking forward to the one true revelation of God to come. So Hebrews 1 goes on. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son who radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. This is why the revelation of Jesus is, is so much better than the revelation of the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Still the word of God being spoken through the prophets, but in little bits and veiled to the final unveiling, which is Jesus Christ himself. Mm -hmm. And Jesus radiates the very character of God. So Hebrew, uh, the writer of Hebrews is saying, you wanna know God, you see God through Jesus. You wanna know the character of God, you see the character of Jesus. You wanna know the revelation of God, you look at Jesus. He's the full, true, complete, and final revelation of God. He is the voice of God, but deeper than that, he's the, the word of the God. The word of God, yes. The capital W word of God. Yeah, so if you wanna know the word of God, right, you know it in Jesus. I love it, that Mount of Transfiguration, like the law, the prophets, Moses, Elijah, and Jesus, and then they disappear. And it's like, this is the word of God, right? And so this is a, getting a little deeper. It, it's kind of starting to understand that the word of God is not a book, but a person. Right. Now we're gonna look at the book talks about 100%. that person, right? Yep. But in the beginning, it says in John one, the word already existed. The word of God already existed in the beginning. I don't think that's talking about a book, no. right? I think it's talking about something else. The word was God and the word was with God. This word logos means basically the full expression of God. This expression of God, this word of God was in the beginning with God and was God. Then it goes on in John 1:14. So the word became human, made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So it's like when God spoke, right? Jesus is what you see. It's what you hear. 
So in Hebrews 4, verse 12, where it says that the word of God is living and active, I think what it's talking about is Jesus. Jesus is the word of God that is living and active in our lives and in the world around us. And it's like sharper than any double-edged sword. It judges the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And so that's referencing to Jesus. And it's our pleasure then to spend our lives, right, pursuing more and more about Jesus, to come to understand Jesus more, because the more you understand Jesus, the more you understand God. The more you see Jesus, the more I think you're seeing God. And so this is a, a big deal. It is. And so this begs the question, if Jesus is the full revelation of God, if Jesus is the voice of God, if Jesus is the word of God, well, how do we know Jesus? And the answer is very, very simple. We know Jesus through the Bible. This is pretty much all we've got. Now, I don't minimize that because this is the Holy Spirit-inspired Word of God, the Bible, that points to the capital W, Word of God, which is Jesus Christ, right? This is the gift that God gave us to say, discover my son. And that is Genesis through Revelation. This is the gift. Hmm. Now, there can be arguments that you can find Jesus outside of the Bible, and there's a, folks who say, well, there's some other contemporary works that aren't in the Bible, maybe apocryphal books or the historical works of Josephus. Uh, those have been maybe messed with a, a little bit too much, so they're not really reliable. They didn't make the cut in terms of being included in the Bible. Um, there is this study of the historical Jesus, looking at the Bible for sure, but then looking at other works and archeology span around the time of Jesus. So there might be some other ways to, to get sort of to the Jesus realm, but nothing compares to the Bible. In order to understand Jesus, in order to know Jesus, and therefore in order to know God, we really need to get a little bit of handle on the Bible, the Bible. This is the Holy Spirit inspired gift to us that says, discover my son, Jesus. Mm -hmm. And of course, what we say often is the greatest place to start are the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Yeah, so if you don't know, we know maybe some of you are new to Christianity, mm -hmm. new to come in the church. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which is the beginning of the New Testament, are basically three accounts of Jesus' life. You'll see what he taught, you'll see what he did, and that's what those books are about. And each one of them have a little bit different of a focus. If you are interested in journeying more on this, I wanna encourage you to go to the Bible Project. If you go to YouTube Bible Project, you can go Bible Project, Book of Matthew. There'll be a great overview. They talk about all these kind of different approaches to these different books. But in Matthew, you see a focus on Christ being king. That's what Matthew focuses on, the kingship of Christ. In Mark, Christ is servant where he's laying his life down, where he's serving, he's washing fees, doing all those kind of things. In Luke, Christ is savior. He emphasizes his messiahship and being the savior of the world. And John, one of my favorites, because it's more relational, it's like Jesus is Lord. And not only Lord over everything, but really Lord in our lives. It's this personal relationship thing you see in the book of John. And we just want to encourage you, if you want to get to know Jesus, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read it over and over and over again. I don't ever stop kind of just always reading the life of Jesus. I am a follower of Jesus. So to know Jesus and to know what he said and to be reminded of that is very important. So there's a few things though, um, as you do that, that uh, I, I just want to encourage you on. There's kind of some main topics that we see Jesus bringing the light and really what he's bringing the light is the heart of God. So we're trying to find God in Jesus. And so as you search out through these gospels, Jesus, you'll get to know God. So let's look at a couple of these, right? First of all, Jesus is the mercy of God. 
No doubt mercy is a huge topic. Mercy is meaning like not getting what you deserve. In a culture that you are getting what you deserve, if you're poor, you're cursed. If you're rich, you're blessed. If, you're, if you have some sort of a disease or some sort of a handicap, you must be blessed by God. Jesus went right to them. He healed, he uplifted, he showed mercy. And so that's showing the very heart of God when you're talking yep. about mercy. So mercy is about you know, giving good things to people just because, for mm. no real reason, right? So he's giving food to the hungry, he's befriending the lonely, he's forgiving those who were labeled sinners. I mean, he's giving something uh, to people, he's healing the sick, right? That's all acts of mercy. Mercy is also about withholding judgment, right? As you said earlier, not getting what you deserve. So people are bringing, you know, people condemned of sinning against God or breaking God's law to Jesus. Jesus withholds condemnation. I'm not gonna judge you. I'm gonna forgive you. I'm gonna lift you up and we're gonna walk a better life ahead. But he's withholding judgment. That's mercy. He's giving people what they need in the moment. That's mercy. You wanna know who God is? Look at the mercy of Jesus. Yeah, because God is merciful. Love it. Also, Jesus is the justice of God, mercy and justice. I think yeah. I see a pattern. Yes. <laughs> I, I see on. it on t-shirts all the time. <laughs> yes, he is the justice of God, right? Where he is looking at those that are oppressed, looking at those that are treated wrong, and he is elevating those. He is touching their lives. Justice was a big deal when it comes to Jesus. 100%, and, and justice is different than mercy and that justice sort of fixed the systems. Uh, the religious systems were keeping people mm. oppressed. As you said earlier, if you were poor or sick, you were labeled as cursed by God and they just kind of let you go. You're getting sort of what you deserve or somebody deserved something to, to put you in this spot. If you are healthy or, or wealthy, well, you must be blessed of God. This is a religious system that kept people oppressed, kept people from receiving mercy or receiving the dignity to be lifted up and elevated to a point of equality. So what justice does is fix the systems. So Jesus went after religious mm -hmm. oppression in the courtyard and in the temple. I mean, he is, he is just exposing the injustice systemically that was in the religious system. And then he even confronted political injustice as well. And so Jesus is not ashamed to say, hey, listen, this world is broken. People are being marginalized. People are being mistreated culturally, societally, institutionally. We've got to fix this. So we see in Jesus the mercy of God. We also see the justice of God. Yeah, you know, and when you think about it, and you're the one that's pointed this out a lot over the years, it's like when Jesus gets upset, when Jesus goes after, it's about those that are holding people back, right? right? From being able to freely come and know God. They're making them jump through hoops. Those are the ones. You, you read the judgments of Jesus, yeah. and it is towards those that are holding people All back. All against the, the oppressors. But yes, even the oppressors them. that come later to Jesus, yeah. he... He loves on them he and hangs out with them. Exactly. Yep. Has dinner. He's having dinner with the Pharisees exactly. right after he like just puts them. Yeah, just, yeah exactly. This really goes after yep. them. So you have mercy, you have justice, and then Jesus is the love of God. I mean, no doubt Jesus was showing the love of the Father. He was bringing in those that never felt like they are loved by God, showing that it wasn't about your your genealogy, it wasn't about your religious, it wasn't about your duties, it wasn't about whatever. He just come, come, come freely, yep. and the love of God is without a doubt, I think, one of the keys that you see through the life of Jesus. And Jesus himself even said, he, as people are trying to figure out, well, what are all the commandments in the right order? And Jesus said, hey, listen, all the commandments are summed up in one word, love, love. right? Yeah. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. And, and then he goes one step further and says, well, why don't you love your neighbor the way I love you, giving yeah. myself and sacrificing myself for you. So it's about mercy, justice, and love. And yes, that's on all of our t-shirts and Dion was wearing those <laughs> and I see him every, every Sunday. Yeah. But it's not only that, so it also shows that Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. I mean, they were waiting for a king. 
the Messiah was going to be establishing a kingdom. Now, Jesus also shows a different reality than maybe they were expecting. You're thinking your king's going to come. It's going to destroy your enemies, reestablish having all that you want. And Jesus was not quite that kind of a king, starting off on a donkey, ending laying his life down. And so he came as Lord to show the kingdom of God. His first preaching was repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is here. You're going to see it through me, and it's going to be a different kingdom that you were looking at. So when you're looking at Jesus as Lord, Jesus as King, you're really seeing the very heart of God, not about destroying, but bringing life and bringing hope. It is a brand new kingdom, a new reality of mercy, justice, and love, and he invites us into that reality into that community, a new way of life, a new world being built for mercy, justice, and love with Jesus as Lord. And so those, those are the Gospels. Yeah. Matthew, Mark, Matthew, Luke, and John. Mark, Luke, and John. These are the things you're going to Start find. off there, read them repeat over that. and over again. Exactly right. And then once you repeat that a few times, you might be qualified to start reading the Old Testament, which is a <laughs> difficult journey. Um, a lot of people, when they start reading the Old Testament, they peter out uh, right around the middle to late Exodus. They're like, I don't understand this. And it's understandable that we don't understand it because it's a different culture. This is thousands of years ago, uh, a religious culture, religious laws. And so when we read the Old Testament, we really need to understand that it is setting the context for the ministry of Jesus. So people do ask, well, if you're Jesus-focused and Jesus-centric, which we are, and if you really find him through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which we do, what value is the Old Testament? Mm. Well, the Old Testament is of tremendous value because only, I think, through the Old Testament can we really understand the context of the life and ministry of Jesus? It just takes a little bit of study. It takes some orientation to get our heads around it. Um, But it's an incredible journey. Jesus was born and raised as a Hebrew man living in the context and culture of the Old Testament law, the Old Testament rules, the Old Testament religious systems. So if you wanna know more about Jesus, knowing the Old Testament will really help you out. And the more you know the Old Testament, the more you'll contextualize what Jesus said and contextualize what Jesus did And you'll find what he said and did is even more powerful than we can possibly understand just reading it from our Western, you know, sort of American culture. We get to know the Old Testament a little bit. Wow. We see the power of Jesus' life and the power of Jesus' teaching even more so. So the Old Testament is is sort of a, a pointer forward to Jesus. The Old Testament, again, is complex and veiled as the nation of Israel is struggling to find God. They're struggling to find out what he wants. They're struggling to appease him so that God would bless them. It's this very complex thing. Sometimes they succeed and do well. A lot of times they fail and do not do well. Hmm. And so the Old Testament is a battle. But all throughout the Old Testament, there's a looking forward. One day, there will be a savior. One day, there will be a full embrace of God. One day, we'll be sort of free from all these rules and regulations, right? One day, and that day is found in Jesus. In Isaiah 61, uh, verse one, we see in the Old Testament, this looking forward, that someone will come. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. There's the mercy side. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for 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 the prisoners. That's the justice piece, right? So one day, this Savior will come to bring better things. And Jesus quoted Isaiah 61.1 in Luke 4 when when he introduced himself to the world. I am the fulfillment of the Old Testament promises, Jesus said. The whole Old Testament is pointing towards Jesus. Not just in terms of promises, but everything is pointing towards Jesus. It's like a, you know, a road sign pointing towards your destination. Um, my wife and I and youngest daughter over there were gonna take a, a trip this summer. It was a great trip, all planned, you know, uh, to Malibu, 
Ooh. Uh, stand spot on the ocean there, the RV spot. Don't get yeah, carried away. Yeah, yeah, uh, then we're going to go to Monterey, our favorite spot. And then Ooh. we're going to go to Santa Cruz oh. and Redwoods and all that. So a pretty nice it's like trip. a surf trip. Uh, without surfing. But yeah. <laughs> uh, my wife's um, grandfather uh, passed away not too long ago, 95 years old, good, long, full life. So that trip had to be diverted. So we took the RV instead to beautiful New Mexico. Yeah. A little bit of a diversion. How is the surfing? Uh, surfing in There's New Mexico. There's got to be a wave pool somewhere. <laughs> Sand surfing is great. <laughs> Sand uh, surfing. So is that what we you just said? went a little bit of a different direction. And so we had a, a long ride home, and I was dreading that ride home. It was 15 hours pulling an RV. Uh, just was, I think I was whining. Wasn't I whining? Yeah, a lot. <laughs> They're both going, yeah, I, I did whine quite a bit. And uh, so we just started. We just started. And the journey started. I have a few pictures. Journey started in, in uh, eastern New Mexico. There it is. And then we got to western New Mexico. Uh, here's another picture from that. <laughs> and then we got to uh, Arizona. And here's another picture of that. <laughs> and then uh, got into California. And here's how that looked. Yeah. So there's our trip. 15 hours of this. Going, going, going. And you see these road signs. Road signs. Every once in a while, San little Diego's coming. A little red rock. You see a little yes. red rock. There's a red rock. <laughs> Trying there's to find color. some beauty out there. It's tough. Uh, but if you've driven the eight west back to California, you get out of Imperial Valley, there's that long hill up, and then you crest on that summit, and this is one of the first signs you see. San Diego, 37 miles. And way in the background, you see the ocean. And that's the first time you really feel like, I'm getting home here, right? San Diego, turn right, there's Temecula. If you're online, you know, visit us. It's a beautiful spot to be. But there's that feeling that I'm home. The Old Testament is like this long journey. Sometimes it feels like a journey through the desert, right? Wandering in the wilderness, right? Um, it's long, and sometimes it's hard getting through the Old Testament, and sometimes it is confusing, but there's pointers all along the way. Something better is coming. Home is coming. And then you go from Malachi to Matthew, the birth of Jesus. It's like, ah, we're home. Yeah. Old Testament was the sign. Jesus is the real deal. We're home, the full embrace of God. Even Jesus in John 5.39 says the whole Old Testament was really pointing to me. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. Jesus knows he's the real deal. He's home. The full revelation of God, the full voice of God, the word of God is Jesus himself. You know, and he, you know getting to know Jesus in the gospels even has helped me to journey in the Old Testament, right. to see Jesus in there, right? Mm -hmm. To begin to identify where maybe they missed it and where they, where yep. they kind of saw it. So awesome. So, We've almost covered most of the Bible, right? We've got the Gospels, we got the, we got the Old the, Testament. we got the Gospel, the Old Testament. Now, what about the New Testament letters? You have the book of Acts through the book of Revelation. Uh, if you don't know, the book of Acts is kind of like the early church. It's when Jesus rose and, and, and was gone. What did the early church do? Where did they plant churches? What did they say? Who were they going for? And then you begin to see some letters written to Rome and to the Hebrews, and to Ephesus, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all those books. You see some leadership books, Timothy, Titus's where they're helping young people. So you have this after Jesus kind of portion. And this part of the scriptures is hugely important for our lives because what you're seeing is you're de they're detailing the struggles they were going through. What they were going through, a lot of it, I think, was like this transition from this old understanding to this new understanding. Yep. I think you see that wrestling throughout it. You see some little contradiction between some of the writers that are wrestling through, what does this look like? Where's the law fit? Where does it doesn't fit? And you see them wrestling with, what does this mean? And how does the life of Jesus look in and through their lives now? So it's, it's beautiful. 
There's so much to learn through their journey that you can bridge to your own journey. And a lot of it is actually very paradoxical, in my opinion, right? You see over and over again, this call to live like Jesus, you know, they're kind of challenging the way that they live, while at the same time, they're saying, but Jesus is with you through the Spirit and giving you power to live it, right? So it's like, okay, do I, does God do it or do I do it? Yes. So, for instance, look at this passage, Philippians chapter 2, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, I think the fear and trembling was Paul's in prison at this time. Persecution is great. It was a scary time to be a follower of Jesus. And when you get scared for your very life and your leader is in prison, I can imagine wanting to shrink back, kind of just stay in your lane over here in your house and not continue to go out and show mercy and justice and love to the world around them that they were doing. That's what got them in trouble. And so he's just saying, man, continue to work this out. Continue to work out your salvation, even in the midst of this time of fear and trembling for what? It is God working in you. You see that? And over and over again, you see that idea. Work it out, it's God's working in you. I love Romans chapter eight, one of our favorites. We quote it all the time, Romans 8, 28. For God works out all things for the good, right? For those that love him and are called according to his purpose. Well, what's he talking about? Verse 29, to conform you into the image of Jesus. He's working out as you're working out, as you're going through life. And that's what we see throughout these New Testament letters, throughout the letters to these different churches and these different people. We see this journey. We see this struggle. And we see them learning and growing and God coming through and working out in their lives. And I think one of the verses to me, we say read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, one of the ones that really get me when it comes to this life of Christ here and now is Galatians chapter five, verse 22. And in this verse, Paul's talking to them that the spirit of God is in them and the fruit of the spirit. And the spirit of God is the spirit of Jesus, who is the revelation of God, right? And so you have this whole idea. The spirit of God is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And against such things, there is no law. As you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I would say, put this verse in memory also. Because if you want to see what the life of Christ looks like through someone, I think this verse covers it in a lot of ways. Because I think this is what we saw in Christ. This was the very spirit of God working in our lives to produce these, these, uh, um, uh, these fruits. And so not only are we finding God in Jesus, but Jesus through us is finding God. As we live this out, we experience a little bit more of the heart of God. <laughs> I, I had an, an issue a few weeks ago. So I woke up on a Saturday morning and I go to sit, do my ice plunge, get my cup of coffee, starting to spend some time with the Lord as I look up in the hill behind my house. And so I have this big, beautiful hill behind my house. House is up on top of me there. And what is laying right across all our bushes is about a 30-foot pepper tree that is one of our most favorite trees out there on the common area in, our, in the hill behind us that someone had went back with a chainsaw and just chopped it down. And it's just laying on our bushes. As a matter of fact, I got a picture of it up here. <laughs> this was two days ago. That's what that big, beautiful tree is looking like now. It was huge and glorious. You see the edge of the second one that was cut down over there. And I'm telling you, the fruit of the Spirit is not what was in me that morning initially. I got on my electric bike, you know, with my baby blue helmet on. And I, I went to the street that's up above me. And I just sat there like, whose door do I knock on and kick in? 
And I'm not kidding. This is a real experience for me, right? Like, you might all be laughing, but this was a trial, a struggle. And I sat there and I literally thought of the fruit of the Spirit. I thought of just Jesus. And I thought, what at this moment would love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness and goodness look like? (laughs) Is it kicking down the door and how dare you, who did this? And I just puttered my little electric bike home and just kind of said, you know what? There are bigger things. There are more people to love. And that is like how that New Testament verses of their wrestling with God when Paul's in prison. We're not talking a tree cut down. We're talking about in prison suffering, teaching these things really made a difference in my life. So man, it is hugely valuable for us to learn and to grow through their stories that are also really in line with our stories. For sure. First of all, I'm glad you didn't uh, kick down my door and talk to me about (laughs) cutting down your tree. He lives up there, Uh, right? (laughs) (laughs) I do not. I would never have done that, uh, (laughs) that I would admit. But the Bible is is really the tool, right? The tool that God gave us, a spirit-inspired gift so that Jesus would be revealed. And as Jesus is revealed, we know God himself. And so let's just kind of recap how we know Jesus through the Bible. We start with the gospels, as we said earlier. What Jesus said and did. What he said and did. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Incredible stuff. Now we can read through the Old Testament and we can know why Jesus said what he said and did what he did. We'll get the context that Jesus was born into. And then for the rest of the New Testament, we'll get to know Uh, how we can say what Jesus said and we can do what Jesus did. How the life of Jesus, as Steve said, can be lived out through us, lived out through our families, lived out through our church, lived out through how we Mm. are merciful and how we advocate for justice and how we love the world around us. Mm. It's really kind of a beautiful thing and all of it pointing to Jesus. And I wanna close with just three things. All of this can be actually experienced on a personal level. This isn't just about discovering Jesus as an academic thing. It's not just about reading and getting knowledge about Jesus. We can actually experience a walk with Jesus and as such experience a walk with God in a very deeply personal way. And there's a few things the Bible calls us to. One is believe, believe. The Bible talks about belief. The Bible talks about faith. It's simply trusting that Jesus is the full, true, complete, and final revelation of God. Trusting that if you wanna know God, you know Jesus. You wanna see God, you see Jesus. You wanna experience God, you experience Jesus. Just starts with belief. And and you're gonna lead us in in prayer uh, here a little bit later and we can just express our belief that Jesus is the fullness of God, the voice of God, the word of God. So we know God through Jesus. Second is by receiving. We can believe, but then there's also this receiving. And the New Testament does call us to baptism. And uh, baptism, for some people who are not familiar with the church world, might seem a little bit of a weird ritual, but it is so incredibly beautiful. Um, We do baptisms every first Sunday, so next Sunday is baptism. You lead us through that. Uh, We used to say it's a heated pool. Now we say it's a cooled pool. Cold plunge, it helps people understand what's going on there. (laughs) For sure. It's not really, it's not. So if you're you're ready, it's not. Under the water and out of the water. And as you go into the water and Mm. out of the water, it's a beautiful symbol that we are forgiven We are made new and made clean by the love of Christ, by the death of Christ, by the resurrection of Christ, to live a new life in Christ. So there's about a belief, then there's about a receiving through baptism, and that is uh, again next Sunday at noon, right after this service. And then there's communion, and we're gonna close in communion today, and if you don't have a communion cup, um, when I leave, uh, raise your hand and we will get you uh, communion elements, the bread and the juice that symbolize uh, the broken body and the shed blood of Christ which is God's declaration to say, this is how much I love you. Mm -hmm. 
I love you so much. I sent my son and he gave his all to show you my mercy, to show you justice, to show you love, and to invite you to this new kingdom in a relationship with him. So this whole thing about finding God through Jesus is about a personal relationship with Jesus as well, a connection that is vibrant and real. And it looks different for everybody, right? We sang that song earlier, there's no wrong way to do it. There's no bad time to start. Your relationship with God through Jesus is gonna be uniquely yours. It will look uniquely yours. And so as we close in communion today, just let the love of God and the grace of God, belief in Jesus, um, receiving Jesus, walking with Jesus and communing with Jesus, let that be life-giving to you. Yeah. Steve, please. Yeah, you know, as we're talking about finding God in Jesus, we can't do that without just looking at the cross. Looking at the cross. Paul said, I preach nothing but Christ crucified. I think because on the cross, you really do see the very heart of God. And I just wanna point out three things that Jesus said. When I, when I think about the cross, and I think about that God so loved the world that he sent his son, I just wanna point out three things that Jesus did and said, because on that cross are some powerful words. Number one, Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. Those that were crucifying him and nailing him and killing him, he looked and put on display the very heart of God. He revealed God at that moment. Father, forgive them. And I bet you all I can imagine the father saying, of course, that's what we do, of course. Then he looked at a thief that was next to him and he said, today you'll be with me today you'll be with me in paradise. What a beautiful picture. Jesus, as we talked about before, is king declaring a kingdom that is here, that is now, that's not there and far away, but it's right here. What a beautiful picture to look at someone suffering and showing mercy, justice, and love to them. Today you'll be with me. Then at the end, he says that it's finished. It's finished. Those three words, those three statements to me, have become like the picture of God that I wanna keep my eye on. You say, you see God, Jesus, you see God, you find God in Jesus, you're forgiven. You are with him, he is with you, and it's done. Let those words resonate in your heart and in your mind. Whatever it is that you might think about God, it's time to start narrowing that down onto Jesus. Because that is where we see God the clearest. And so when we take communion, remember the body that was broken, remember the suffering that he endured to show us the depth by which God would go to put on display his love, his forgiveness, his with us reality, and to say it's finished, there's no more religious hoops to jump through, there's no more this, there's no more that. There's just as Scott said, believe and trust. Maybe today you've never believed and trusted, and maybe today you're going, man, I, I, okay, if that's what God looks like I'm in, then I say grab one of these and just remember and say thanks. That's what we're doing when we do this. We're just saying thanks. Thanks that the God we see in Christ is a God of mercy, justice, love, is a God that's a king that shows his kingdom through love and sacrifice and laying his life down. So as you grab and we start with the bread, I just want us to just think about his body that was broken for us. That he went and just suffered under the hands of the religious and the political leaders and he gave himself up and went to the point of death for us. God, thank you that as we see your body broken, we are seeing the depth that you will go to show us how much you love us. 
that while that body was there, that, that the body was torn apart and nailed to a cross, you looked at those crucifying you and said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they're doing. How much do you forgive each and every one of us? How much do you forgive us that don't even know it yet? May we come to that understanding through your broken body that you are a God that loves and forgives. So let's take the bread. And then as we take the cup and we remember the blood that was shed for us. In the Old Testament, blood was life. And so Jesus' life was poured out. His life to give us life. Rose from the dead, conquering death and the fear of death. Those things that are opposed to us like death, he says, you don't have to fear anymore. He rose and conquered it. And through his giving of his life, we have life now and forevermore. What a beautiful picture of the love and the heart of God put on display on the cross. So let's take the cup. God, we thank you so much for the life and the teachings of Jesus. How we see him being pointed to in the Old Testament, how we can relook at the Old Testament through the lens of Jesus and maybe see where some things were off and where we can see the beauty of that wrestling for many, many years of those people to know you. But then you came we now get to see you. And then we get to see the journey after you of people trying to figure out what that looks like through the teachings of the New Testament and the letters and the book of Acts. And, but everything, it's about you. We are followers of yours. You are the word of God. You are the most perfect revelation of God for us. May we believe that, may we trust in that, and may you empower us to live in and through that for your glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen.